Hi, everybody. This is Rhea with Blossoming with Rhea podcast. Thank you so much for joining me once again. I truly appreciate all of you, every single one of you. Love to you all. Hugs to you all. Thank you for joining me. Um, Today, I'm going to talk about something that is going to be a little bit graphic and it may be hard for you to hear. So I just want to put that out up front before you continue along with this podcast. Um, So it's a little bit difficult to talk about, not because I haven't had any healing. I most certainly have, and I am actually doing really good when it comes to this situation. However, um, it's just reliving it in this podcast. I've been kind of putting it off a little bit (laughs) because I'm going to have to relive this time. Um, But that's okay because I want to share it with you guys and I hope that this will help somebody along the way. So I'm going to talk about today how I was sexually abused as a child, um, what happened, and also um, the effects from it, the healing that I had done, and also even down to the fact that I forgave my um, abuser. So let's start from the beginning. So we um, lived in Southern California. I was born there and then about five years old, my mom and dad split up. My mom left, wanted to move here to Sacramento. We technically actually moved to Auburn, California because that's where my grandparents had lived. And we moved here um, to Auburn. Well, we moved to Auburn. We ended up in Sacramento, but we, first we moved to Auburn and um, to be closer to them. And um, we, it was a peaceful time. Um, we'd stay with my grandparents, I think for a very short time, my mom got an apartment and then, um, I liked the school that I went to and it was just a a nice area and it just was pretty pleasant. Um, of course my mom was single at the time because she loved my dad and everything. Shortly after we had lived in the apartment, she met this guy and he started coming around more and more. Well, then he eventually moved in with us and my mom was really happy, um, he was very nice and good to us and all of those things. So, um, we ended up moving to Grass Valley where we had like some property and things. And, um, and that is kind of where it first began. So just to back up a little bit, um, even though this guy was very nice and everything, it turns out he had a major alcohol problem. So he was, drinking constantly um he was arguing with my mom so on and so forth after we had moved to a different place and um so I think alcohol obviously played a big part into everything um but also I think at the time my mom um while we were living there my mom was at home at the time and he was working and I think he became the sole provider as well well one night I was sleeping in my bed and I woke up to somebody pulling my panties down and touching me down there, putting his fingers inside of my vagina. And I was just like frozen in time. Um, I laid there, closed my eyes. I didn't know what the heck was going on. I'm a five-year-old, but I knew that it was wrong. And I knew that it was very uncomfortable, but I couldn't do anything. I didn't have that anything in me to like sit up and say, what are you doing? Or don't touch me or kick him or anything. I just kind of like froze and was shocked and scared, you know, um, And then 
so after that had happened I can't remember if it was the next day or the next couple of days I just remember kind of being lost a little bit I remember getting on the school bus to go to school and just looking out the window in a daze of confusion you know just kind of out of it not really understanding what happened but just knowing that it was wrong well my mom had always told us that you know if anything had ever happened or anybody touched our no-nos that's what we called them was no-no um that we needed to to let her know and so I remember coming home from school and I don't know what we were doing that day I just remember um that maybe we were playing or whatever and it got darker outside and then my mom was in the kitchen doing dishes and I came up to her and that guy he wasn't home so I told her um yeah so and so touched me and she's like well where and I said where and she just seemed kind of shocked I think she was kind of frozen um as well and was confused um I I don't know if she had thought that I didn't know what I was talking about or if it could be a lie or or what have you um so the very next morning I was getting ready for school and my mom brought him in my bedroom and confronted him in front of me which was very uncomfortable of course he denied it and um, I remember just leaving for school that day and just distressed out about it uh, nothing really was said after that I don't know what conversations they had had be after that or, or what I have no idea um, he did stay in the household and then I remember there were times where I would be doing homework and he'd come in and then he'd have me sit on his lap he'd act like he's helping me with this with my homework and touching me down there um, that would be random occasions I remember him taking us out in the car like play driving teaching us how to drive how we would sit up on his lap um, in the driver's seat while he's driving he'd let us steer and he would sit there and touch me and then one night I remember um, he came in the room again was you know woke me up still sat there at this point and just froze and I knew something was going to happen but I just um, pretended to be asleep and just hoped it would be over um, I think when I was a child and these things were happening, I would just try to take my mind somewhere else so that I didn't have to focus on what was going on. Um, and this particular night, it was just weird because it wasn't his finger and it was his tongue down there. And I didn't know what the heck this was. I'm like, what is going on? I figured it out he'd put his mouth down there and um which is so crazy because as an adult now to think about what was going on it's so just mind-blowing to me how an adult can do something like that especially like oral sex which was basically what was being performed on me as a little child I mean come on now um so I uh, then moved, let the thing happen, went away, whatever, went back to sleep, went about my business. Um, he didn't have sex with me, um, so I mean, at least that didn't happen, but I was definitely sexually abused um, 
in multiple ways and um, as far as finger and things like that. And this had gone on for from a five till I was about eight years old. Um, I remember one night um, I was scared because he was drunk that he was going to come in and abuse me and I started to pee the bed I think I I don't know that I thought that that was going to stop him or anything but but I did Um, and I continued to pee the bed a lot actually for a long time till I was about 12 because I think that it just became a thing where um, I was trying to protect myself. I, I'm not sure. Um, so, so that had happened. Finally, and what's funny about that is that peeing the bed until I was 12, well, I stopped peeing the bed as soon as he moved out, which was when I was actually 12 years old, even though I hadn't been abused after the age of eight years old, um, I stopped peeing the bed. And I think that was because he finally left. Finally, my mom got tired of the drinking and the fighting and she finally kicked him out for good. They had gone back and forth and things like that, but um, she didn't, she didn't kick him out. There was one time, um, they were arguing and we were out at a friend's, um, we called it the seven acres because he had seven acres worth of land and we'd go out there and hang out and he had animals you know he had goats and pigs and it was a lot of fun and um, our parents were good friends with him and so he would we would go hang out there and I remember um, that my mom was really pissed off about the whole sexual abuse Um, I don't know if she just had believed it or not or whatever or if she was worried that it did happen or that it was continuing to happen. And I remember that she had pulled a gun out on him and she threatened his life. And she basically said, you know, I will bury you here. Nobody will find you. And she didn't end up shooting him or anything like that. But I remember that was one point where she stuck up for me. Um, But back when all of that had happened, and I had told my mom and, you know, um, he didn't leave the house. And I don't know, like I said, what their conversations were behind closed doors. Um, but I just didn't never say anything again because I didn't want the conflict. I didn't want to, you know, that didn't continue, that didn't break them up. So I wasn't going to continue to say anything. There was no point to me. Um, so that's why I didn't. And my mom years later said, well, why didn't you say anything again? I'm like, well, I'm a kid. Why am I going to come say something again when, you know, he didn't leave the first time. So that is, um, that is why I didn't continue to say anything. I just basically kept it to myself. And then once I got a little bit older, I opened up to my sister about it. And my sister had stated that he had one time tried to take her panties down and stuff too, but she woke up and said, what the heck are you doing? Which is what I wish I would have done. Then he told her basically, put your panties back on and he left the room and he didn't ever mess with her again. Um, And so my sister obviously believed me. Um, and so uh, I had told, you know, a couple of good friends later on in life who actually had gone through the same thing with their step-parent, uh, step-dad. And um, it's just really sad how often this actually occurs. Um, what happened because of that really affected me, for one, in school, when I was in elementary school, I remember my mom having a lot of meetings with the teachers and stuff. Um, 
because I did a lot of daydreaming in school. I just didn't have the um, willpower to learn anything. I didn't really care that much. Um, and now when I look back on it, I know it was because I had been being abused at home. Um, I never said anything to a teacher or anything like that. I was way too scared to try, you know, for CPS to come take me and go put me in a receiving home or something like that. So I never uh, said anything to, to, to a teacher or to, to an, an older friend or um, family member. I pretty much kept it to myself um, until, of course, a little bit later. And, um, and going back to the school thing, I remember looking back and thinking I was really stupid because I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't getting good grades. I wasn't comprehending what I was reading, things like that. Um, now one teacher took extra time and she said, Hey, you read that to me. I read it to her. She said, no, tell me what you just read. And I didn't know. And she's like, you're not comprehending it. You got to listen. And so she took extra time with me and I actually was starting to learn how to comprehend what I was reading and things like that. Um, And then, you know, fast forward later on when I went to college, I actually did excellent. I got straight A's and, um, and was really good in school and realized at that point, and it took that long at that point that I really wasn't stupid or struggled with learning. It's just, I was going through so much at that time in my life, you know, that it was, it was difficult for me. Um, but it really affected me with my, uh, self-esteem for one, the self-esteem issue was huge. Um, I never felt good enough. I never felt good enough for anybody, for friends, boyfriends, anything like that. Um, I had, uh, really bad abandonment issues. Um, when it would come to anybody, friends, boyfriends, always afraid that they were going to leave me. So it caused some abandonment issues. Um, I also think that it basically being abused like that, you just, you become a completely different person than what you were meant to be. And and that's really true. And I, and I learned a lot of stuff about this later on, but it does take from your childhood. It does take from you as a person and you become what, um, you weren't, you know, you, another person than what you should have been. And that's really sad, honestly. Um, but what I can say about it is that I have done a lot of healing. For one, I've done a lot of counseling. Um, I have seen a few different counselors in regards to this. And then at one point I was in this group setting with these other women who had also been abused. Some of them were severely abused. I mean, they were raped all the time. One was raped by a grandparent and, um, it, in, she had already had some issues with, you know, her, her parents not being around as it was, and she was living with her grandparents. So she went from one terrible situation to the next, which is so sad. And at that time, when I had heard these stories of these other um, beautiful ladies that had gone through the same things, most of them worse situations, I looked at my situation and said, wow, you know, it could have been worse for me. Um, I know a lot of people do deal with this kind of situation. And, um, I just wanted to not be a victim anymore. You know, I, I didn't want to, um, use that as like any type of a crutch or I didn't want to continue to allow that to, um, ruin my life in a sense. 
you know, not take over my life. That wasn't my identity, what had happened to me. Um, and I wanted to take over. So um, the counseling, having these group visits and meetings and talking and everybody sharing these their stories. Um, and then we had wrote a letter to our, um, to the person who, you know, victimized us. And we wrote out our, all of our feelings, which I remember that was really hard for me to do. Now they said you could give it to them or you could not give it to them. It didn't matter at that point. I did not give it to him. I didn't want anything to do with him. I don't want to talk to him. Nothing, not, not, not a thing. Um, but writing it out and writing out all my feelings and everything, it really brought a lot of emotions out. And, um, but it, it gave me a lot of healing sitting with those girls, doing that letter, continuing to meet with them. It was very, very healing for me. Okay. And you guys all know, it's not a secret that I am a Christian and I, my faith is in the Lord and I'm so grateful for that. And I'll tell you a couple things about this situation. For one, God always brings some good out of bad. And, and I am living proof of that, which is just so amazing. The things that have turned good from bad, I just could jump for joy of the things that I've seen turn good from bad. So going back to when my mom first met this man, okay, and they got together pretty quickly. Well, he had the most amazing family ever. I'm totally not even kidding. The best family ever. Okay. And his mom was, um, who we called grandma. I'm not going to say her name, but, um, she took us in right away, like right away. He'd had, he had had no kids. He ended up having kids with my mom later on, but he'd had no kids. And we were basically, you know, these kids that were already there and she accepted us right away. And the first day that she met us, she brought the body bought us these little bracelets and we went out to dinner and we met all their family. And she was so sweet and caring and the most purest, gentlest soul ever. Um, and, but the whole family was like that. I mean, these people were so nice, so sweet, so kind. They were Christians. They really sincerely loved the Lord. And, um, and I love, I love them. I love them still. And as a matter of fact, she'd from that day became our grand, our grandma, mine and my two sisters, because my, my two sisters also were part of the picture. And, um, unfortunately she passed away when I was 15. And when I found out that she passed away, I was devastated because she, she continued to be in our lives always. And she was a great grandmother to us. And she'd always buy us little Easter dresses for Easter Christmas dresses. And she'd taken us to take us on vacation and just, just great, great grandma. And I, and I miss her to this day. Well, she, her and him actually he actually is, believes in the lord too and is a christian um and he always talked about god and she always talked about god um, we prayed and stuff at the dinner table um all of that so um and he actually always read his bible and things like that and i know what you're thinking oh you know here's another christian who's totally hypocritical well he had a lot of demons you're absolutely right he had some demons like everybody does and believe me i'm not sticking up for him i'm not making excuses for him but everybody has issues you know we all have those demons some people have some skeletons in their closet way in their closet you know so um so yes he had he had some demons um but i do know he loved the lord and i know my grandma 
lived her life for God. And she, um, and I would ask her questions a lot and she would go over things with me because I had no idea because I never had asked my mom. Now for one, I was way too young before all this start, started happening, you know, and then after um, he was around and, and his mom was around, we were, I was getting a little bit older, you know, five, six or so when I started asking questions and things like that. Um, and I think that's probably the typical age that kids start to wonder, why are we here? How did we get here? <laughs> you know? So, um, I, but I remember that they really brought God into my life. And, um, and it's not that I was always a faithful Christian. Believe me, you will hear some other podcasts where, um, I did some things that I'm not proud of and I wasn't acting as a Christian. That is for sure. Um, but they really taught me about God from the beginning. And so I'm truly, truly grateful for that. So Fast forward to adulthood. I have my daughter. Um, and even though I had had healing and counseling and things like that, when my daughter turned five years old, I went into complete panic mode. I was so scared that she was going to be molested. That was in my head. It was like, oh my gosh, she's going to be molested, you know, and I was very cautious of who she was around. I didn't want any guys around. Um, And I mean, it was even cautious of her own dad. I didn't have a reason to be, but I was cautious and it put me in a weird place. I don't even know how to explain it because I just want to say that my head was in the wrong place. Obviously, it's almost like this crazy person going into if I had like bipolar and I went into some manic thing where I just couldn't stop obsessing over it. That's what it felt like. It was like an obsession that something was going to happen to her. Um, and I constantly asked her all the time, has anybody touched you down there? Blah, blah, blah. She'd always say no. And she'd get frustrated that I kept asking her. Um, and then I remember one time she was over at my mother-in-law's. My mother-in-law had said that she was right down there. And I was freaked out because I'm like, what the heck is going on here? So I took her straight up to the emergency room. I'm like, I want to figure out what's going on. Oh my gosh, is she being sexually abused? You know, and I was definitely one of those crazy moms that I was going to do whatever it took to protect my child. That is my goal in life. And that's still my goal in life is to protect my kids. And, um, so we go to the emergency room, they check her out. They're like, she's fine. She doesn't, we could, if she was being abused, we could tell because of the certain way that it would look and blah, blah, blah. And, um, what had happened was my mother-in-law gave her a bath, but she put too much, too many bubbles in the bath, too much, you know, bubble soap in the bath. And, um, and then even the doctor asked her, like, did she have a bubble bath, a lot of bubbles or something? This happens sometimes. And I said, I don't know. And I asked my mother-in-law and she said, yeah, that, that's what happened. So, you know, she, nothing had happened to my daughter, thank goodness. And, um, but I think I just had that fear in my head because here she is the same age I was when it began to happen. And what if it happens to her? And with my second daughter, as my older one got older and my second daughter was starting to get older, because when she was five, my, my other daughter was um, about two and a half, almost three. And so as they got older, I would ask them both constantly, has anybody touched you? Are you guys okay? They always say no. They they did truly hate that. But I'm, I'm glad I did that. And I wouldn't take that back, even if it annoyed them, because I want to make sure that I'm watching out for them. It's so important. So, um, as I got older and just really got into church and, you know, and 
really was reading the word and in and the Bible and praying constantly and trying to change my life as a whole. And the more that I learned, um, I learned that it's so important to forgive people. And um, I know I've talked about that with on one of my other podcasts with my friend Jen about, you know, forgiving people that hurt us. And it took a long, long, long time for that. <laughs> it took a long time for me to forgive him. Um, but I finally did. And I, as soon as I forgave him, I just felt at peace. And I had to give that situation to God because he's a human. And like I said before, he had demons, he had issues. I did find out, you know, he was sexually abused as a child. And um, unfortunately, if you look it up, it does say that... Um, men, if they're abused, they're likely to abuse um, other children. Women, no, not so much. It's very rare for a woman to, but for men, it's, it is highly likely. Um, and it's sad that that happened to him. And it's sad that he went through that. Um, and I know that he had some major guilt issues with um, what he had done because he had told my family members that he felt really guilty, he told me that he felt bad and things like that um, later on. But, um, so I finally forgive him and, um, I hadn't seen him, let's say after I forgot him, forgave him, I didn't see him like for years. I hadn't had a relationship anyways with him since I hadn't seen him since I was probably about, um, 18 or so was the last time I'd seen him. I'd see him here and there and the, every blue moon because he was the father to my other siblings. Um, but I never wanted to keep him around or have a relationship or or anything like that and I and then when I got pregnant with my daughter and everything I completely stayed away as much as possible if he'd ever come around I just wouldn't come around and make sure that I that I stayed away I didn't want him to look at my children I just just had a fear of that um so I um so fast forward years later we had had a funeral that we had attended and he was there and he came up to me and this was recently actually this was like a year ago he'd come up to me and he's like I just really want to apologize for what I did and I looked at him and I said you know what I forgive you I forgave you a long time ago but you need to talk to God and get forgiveness for yourself and he's like well I've already done that and I that's great and that was the extent of it. That was the conversation that we had. But you know what? When I left that um, funeral and I drove home, I felt a sense of peace and weight lifted off of me that I let him know that I had forgiven him. Um, I don't know why. I felt like he needed it. Um, I obviously needed it too for him to know. And just a, just peace and closure, you know, close that chapter of what happened. And, um, and I did. And I don't expect, you know, everybody to do that or to forgive any, you know, their um, predators, or if they've been abused by somebody in the past, whether it's domestic or parent or grandparent or a friend or whoever. But it does actually bring peace to our heart. And it is important for ourselves um, not to carry that around. Um, so at this point in my life, I really practice a lot of self-love and try to give myself, um, you know, see my self-worth because self-worth is um, one of the more difficult things that I've had, you know, 
throughout the years, just having this feeling of maybe not worthy, you know. Um, and I know that stems from my childhood, but I've really been working on that, working on my health, working on just cleansing my body and my mind as a whole. And the more that you are positive as far as, you know, loving yourself, loving your body, and also um, telling yourself that, I mean, that's hard to do. It is, it's, it's hard, but when you tell yourself and you only speak the good, that's when you start to heal better and feel better. And I feel a lot better than I did. Obviously, I still have ways to go. You know, I'll probably have ways to go for the rest of my life. But, you know, the name of my podcast, Blossoming with Rhea, I am blossoming. I'm trying to be better than I than I was before, uh, you know, for myself, but for everybody around me as well. So anyhow, I just want to say thank you for listening um, to my journey and my life stories. And um, if any of you need anything, please reach out to me. Um, you know, I love to help people. I say that every time and I truly mean it. So if you need any good vibes, you want prayers, you just want to talk to somebody or vent or need help getting through a situation, I will be more than happy to help you. Please message me on Instagram at uh, health coach Rhea and I will be happy to help you. Um, feel free to follow me on Instagram. And of course, feel free to share this podcast with anybody that you think might need it or anybody you'd like. So I love you guys. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day.